Sibling. That it's a good thing. Siblings. Siblings. Why? It wasn't me. What? It wasn't me. What? Gosh dang it, we're live. Be a professional. Hey everyone, and welcome to Geek's Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening, uh, the Dwarven DM, Colossus of Cloud, uh, John Christian. Colossus of Cloud, holy crap. I don't even know how to... Uh, Lolly Ho, everyone. Lolly Ho, play it cool. Play it cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm so that. used to being you referred totally, to as something. Totally cool. blew that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I meant to do that. And then we've got uh, Troy Sandlin. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And how is everyone out there in listener land? <laughs> like it you feels thought, you even said worse when that. you don't get thrown off. Like that's the. That's I know. It's, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Cut. Let's do it again. Cut. Yep. Um, try to be surprised this time. Try to be surprised. Uh, hey, news. Um, mm-hmm. Alien announced a new book called "Building Better Worlds," and yes. it's noteworthy. I mean, there's so many announcements of so many new books across all the publishers that we like, but. This one's noteworthy in my mind because this is something that they are making good on the promise that they made in the first core book, which was that they were going to put out three different source books that were going to teach you how to do a campaign, a campaign for space marines, for uh, 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 colonists, and for space truckers. And this Mm. is, they've already done the space marines, this is the colonist book. I think that's very cool. This is one that I will absolutely purchase just to see how they how they work through that because it's I I that's one of the things I've that's my been my main complaint since day one with them is just that I think that they they talked a big game at the beginning and I think that everything that they did was great, but they were conveniently ignoring two thirds of what they said that they were gonna do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so good for them. I'm, I'm super stoked about well, this. Well, were they ignoring it or were they just so busy doing their, you know, something for their other 27 IPs? Out well, there? They've <laughs> done like, here's the thing, right? They did the space Marines thing. They've done a space Marines box set. They've done two different other box sets. They've done, you know, they, they've got a lot of alien stuff out there at this point. And I was just like, are we going to go back and do the other thing? Or are we going to? Or is that, are we going to pretend like that doesn't happen? I'll tell you that both Modiphius and Free League have, I have, I've noticed that both of them have balls in what they have put in their books lately. Because this Akjung book is like, oh, hey, here's three campaign titles that are all coming in the future. Mm. And I'm like, geez, that's, that's gutsy. Um, the idea of saying, for sure, we're going to print in our core book that you're going to be able to buy these three campaigns that we haven't done yet. That's, it sounds like a, they're they're MCUing it with a slash uh, like where they've got they're trying to forecast out, but they hopefully they won't fall prey to the same problems the MCU did, where they kind of had to rejigger things. Or not, I'm not not really MCU. I think that's a, a poor example. I, uh, how about uh, Star Wars? the Star Wars stuff. Where they well, I would of- love it if Star Wars would have projected out anything and actually done it, right? Like, mm-hmm. exactly. that's the thing is, like, 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 yeah, well, we talked about Star Wars a lot already this week, so. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I don't, I don't have the energy for it today. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so Eric's saying that they're moving Alien away from cinematic scenarios and into open-ended adventures. 
if they can do that, I really dig it. But I want to see how they do that and still maintain an alien vibe. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm excited about. And I think, like from what I've read, they've they've done great so far. I'm just interested in what this does. So um, could not be more excited. This is this is I I've gotten to the point where I can't buy everything, but I will buy this book. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you can certainly try. Yeah, I'm I'm doing my best, but um, it's exhausting. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, John, you mentioned it in the pre-chat, but uh, we, you and I and Troy, I think the other bit of news is that you and I and Troy and some of our uh, 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 best buds are, not all of our best buds, but some of our best buds are going to be playing Octum Cthulhu That's right. um, starting this week. And <clears throat> I'm not sure yet, and chat, you can help weigh in here. Um, Kirk, that's that's sad. Kirk has <laughs> Kirk has hit two years um, subscription with us. This is you need to stare at a wall or stare at a horizon for a long time after this yeah, episode. Next after time this I see episode. Kirk, the next yeah. time I see Kirk, I'll have to empty my wallet and apologize. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that's actually been three because he didn't subscribe for the first one. That's right. Oh, that's right. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do this. So what? So we're gonna we're gonna be playing, and we've talked with uh, I think most of the crew at this point, and I think we're gonna we're gonna record it, and I might live stream it. So chat if you're interested in a three to four session live stream of Octun Cthulhu, let us know if you're interested in it being recorded instead, and maybe some of the bits cut out and kind of streamlined a little bit. Let us know. And, uh, and and I say chat, but of course I also mean listeners and, and video on demand people, um, because you'll get something I think here. And oh, uh, you'll get something. All right. You'll get something. <laughs> there may be eight players in this game, y'all. So this may be like one of those things where it's both, hey, here's a system for you guys to check out, and here's a rare geeks can't live stream, and also here's what it looks like when you run for eight people. And mm. here here's what not to do. <laughs> pandemonium yeah go i think it might be interesting i'm i'm excited to do it for a short version like this yeah 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 maybe we should lay some ground rules and just try to say okay let's let's try and keep it <laughs> on the rails and keep it serious because well, with all eight, fart jokes and poop humor well listen, eight, you have eight knuckleheads I mean, you have no idea what you're getting into my friend my games are nothing but serious you guys are gonna have to knuckle down there's well they're and, serious as in uh you yeah. never know when you're gonna die <laughs> that's right that's right that's right you gotta stay on your toes um yeah you do you gotta stay on stay on the uh warden's good side um i really all right, so that's that's uh, that's our that's my two bits of news that we got that we got a Cthulhu game coming up, and that uh, uh, Alien has got a book coming out. John Troy, do you guys have any news on your end? I got something really quick. Uh, an interesting tidbit, more than anything else, which is kind of a wait and see to see what happens. Uh, Pathfinder is coming out with a new video game, Abomination mm-hmm. Vaults. It is based on one of their other lines or one of their adventure lines yeah. they've already had out, and it is their first hack and slash co-op game nice. I thought that was pretty interesting where they're kind of branching out from you know, turn-based games like kingmaker and things like that and they're kind of they're going into a more real-time nice uh, you know, a co-op strategy i thought that was pretty cool the essentially the it, the the kickstarter is uh pending right so you can you can get in on the on the front end of that and start uh start waiting for that i think they're up to like four thousand 
400 ish followers. So they got a pretty good following there. <laughs> the basic, uh, basic uh, blurb is enter the mega dungeon. Evil stirs in the depths of the abomination vaults, a sprawling dungeon where the evil sorcerer Belcora Horvo attempted to raise an army of monsters hundreds of years ago. Brave heroes must venture into a dungeon full of beasts and traps and prevent a spiteful villain from uprising again. The Abomination Vault's adventure path was three parts, originally. It was part of a monthly series of connecting adventures that comprise a complete Pathfinder campaign. So it's I think it's really cool that they they almost use this, uh, like a, like a, they bake their, it's almost like, a, like it's comic books, right? Where you, you kind of like, what works and what did people really enjoy? Well, let's see how that looks in another medium. Uh, and that's where they're, instead of it being completely um, from scratch, the story or essentially the, the basic premise of it. It's pretty mm. cool. Yeah. And I'll just, I like to see, you know, I got nothing against Pathfinder personally. Yeah. So I'm, I want to, I want to see him succeed. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Paizo, there's a lot of things that Paizo did right. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Their adventure paths are great. At least the, whenever I, the ones that I've played, which I played a lot, uh, pre five E for sure, mm-hmm. and they were fantastic. It's really good stuff. So mm-hmm. looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. Uh, Mike saying that another bit of news is that Pathfinder is launching an Abomination Vault hack and slash video game. Mm, cool. Get it on a Kickstarter. Great. Hey, uh, I heard Larry Elmore is going to do some of the artwork for it. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. That's not true at all. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. I wish. Yeah. Well, why don't you leave the humor to the professionals, John? <laughs> that was not necessary, sir. Appreciate that one damn bit. <clears throat> uh, what else you got, John? Uh, the only other thing that I've got is just like it's another Pathfinder bit here, and that is just they, the you know the uh, Pathfinder core. They're, they're breaking it out uh, yep. into into individual like it's four books, I believe, if it's I'm not mistaken. Books. And there was just kind of a, a, a quick blurb that they, they threw out there about what it really means, aside from it being broken out into four pieces. I figured I'd throw that out there really fast, too. So uh, new character options rules for creation rules. Um, it'll walk you through building a character step-by-step, including your ancestry, background, class, uh, all your focuses, that good stuff. New mountains of options, customizing your character, versatility through heritage, things like that. Um a lot of it's going to be like things you need to start to know before you start playing, as opposed to just diving directly into the rules. Is what it looks like here. Mm. All of the errata that they've integrated from the last four years of um, of uh, second edition will be incorporated into the books too. Obviously, I think that makes makes sense. They'll have some additional expanded options for the character classes, streamlining a lot of the spells. From what I've, that's kind of a big one. Uh, new equipment, and then. Uh, this is the first, this is, I think, the, the one of the more important bits about it. This is the first Pathfinder product that is going to be published under the new Open RPG Creative license. Hmm. The Orc. So the hmm. players and game masters will have even more freedom to create their yeah. own stuff using the second edition rule set. So I think that's, that's a, that was a quick turn hmm. uh, from, uh, from, from January. So yeah. I thought that was newsworthy. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, to kind of follow along with drops and releases, um, uh, Eric saying that Dragon's Bane uh, dropped, the final PDF dropped on Drive-Thru. That's oh. the new Free League um, thing. Yeah, I did not pick it up, but I saw it on there, and I'm very excited to see that it is getting close to release, because um, I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Troy, anything on your end? No. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. No. No. All right. 
Well then, let's uh, let's refill our cups and let's talk about limitations. Put your money where our mouth is, or something. Let's restart. John, Troy, and myself get an itch to do some writing every once in a while, and when that happens, we publish it through World of Game Design. Head on over to store.wogd.com to find books like Oceanic Depths, Scrap Rats, and Motherload that feature design by your delightful and charismatic hosts. Again, that's store.wogd.com. Alright, so... Limitations. That's what we're going after today. Putting limitations on your world. How to be restrictive with your... How being restrictive on your setting might open up new worlds of possibilities. And Can't tell me what to do. That's right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so, yeah. So, this is... This somewhat came out of our discussion with uh, Sean. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 Sean Hook. And our discussion with him about his setting, which has limitations. And going from that, we just discussed the idea of um, D&D is kind of going this route, which, uh, uh, especially with their books about like, hey, we're going to provide you the kitchen sink, and we're not going to put limitations on our stuff. Go nuts, do whatever you want, yada, yada, yada. And they're kind of, they keep opening up the, the, uh, the funnel even wider, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And it's got to the point, right, where there's like 47 playable races for for Forgotten Realms and D&D, right? And yada, 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 yada. So <clears throat> the, thought that I, the thought that we had is like talking about what sort of restrictions can be placed on settings and not just about what restrictions, because you can restrict anything, but why would you restrict something? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and what does restricting get you um, in the long run? Like, like, it's one of those things where sometimes a reduction equals uh, an enhancement, right? So I, th I think that's just it. I don't know how long we'll go on this topic, but I thought it might be interesting to kind of like pick around the edges for a little bit mm -hmm. and, and see what comes of it. Because what, What's interesting is that it's relatively timely in that um, Dragonlance Nexus just posted uh, Trampus, who's one of the contributors to it, and one of the, the main Whitestone Council members, I think is what they refer to themselves as. Uh, that they they were they there's been some heated debate I guess is for lack of a better way of saying it in their in some of their user groups or Facebook groups or whatever about the question of is X in Dragonlance right are kobolds in Dragonlance are gnolls in Dragonlance and things like that and it's been some pretty like some tense conversations and not necessarily name calling but a lot of like don't put your your chocolate in my peanut butter. Don't don't let your peanut butter touch my chocolate. Kind of stuff. Conversation. So uh, the conversation, the article that came out was very much in the the like run it however you want to. So I think that for me at least, before I kind of I delve into it, my own personal philosophy on pretty much any setting. It's not even just Dragonlance. Is I like authenticity personally, mm -hmm. and so uh, what. I want to, whenever at my tables, the games that I run and the games that I play in, I prefer to have them feel like what I remember and the things that like the things that I fell in love with about the setting were limited that there weren't, um, you know, spaceships in Dragonlance or 
um, shotguns uh, being wielded by Tika or Tannis or anything like that. So to me, just kind of on the, to, pre- to preface the conversation for me, at least I'll be in the camp of um, I, for me personally, I love restrictions and I, I like, because it encapsulates a flavor. Right. And I think that for me, the, de- the default, whatever the default is like the books that come out for a setting or whatever, that those should have all the restrictions that they need to, in order to kind of like baseline the flavor and the themes and things like that. At your table, your mileage may vary, and you may want to put, you know, um, I don't know, Lionels, or you may want to put space elves in your game, and that's fine. But at least for my table, I like I like the uh, I like trimming all the fat and having keep it pretty lean and and dedicated to. Uh, I always think about like stuff. like let's take the reverse approach for just a moment and say a setting that you would imagine to be very limiting, like King Arthur, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just pull that as a thing, right? Like a semi-historical, pseudo-historical fantasy game. Mm-hmm. The the moment... do you, I, so, so I'll raise a question, then I'll, try, I'll go ahead and give my answer, which is, do you lose something if you say, hey, you can have Tabaxi and Tritons, or even a Tabaxi, or a Triton, or a Orc, or a Elf? Do you lose something when you start incorporating certain things like that into it? And the answer for me is, I think you lose it as soon as you let the first one in. Mm-hmm. And it, as much as some of those things are cool elsewhere, right? Um, uh, uh, I think that, like, like I love hobgoblins in certain settings. But the moment I let them into Arthurian fantasy, it's no longer, it, it isn't the same thing. It has a mm-hmm. completely different vibe for me, right? Um I, um, to me, uh, I've done both, right? Like I've played, I've, I've ran big, long campaigns where I've done no limits, make whatever mm-hmm. you want, literally whatever you want. Right. Um, and then I've done super extreme limitations on, on the setting and on the player options and whatnot. And, you know, I found that players actually, they gravitate, and for the most part, the best campaigns have been the ones that have had at least some amount of restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think back to like like the one that we just wrapped up is was a, a, a spelljammer slash planescape adventure, but the only prerequisite you could build whatever you want, but they the whole group random rolled who their patron deity was going to be at the beginning, right? And they rolled Bane. And so I'm like, you can build whatever character you want, but he has to be a devotee of Bane. Mm. And they had a blast with that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's just a, one limitation. It's a major limitation, but it's a limitation. And it, I think it made that campaign stick in people's minds. A lot of them is their first or one of their very few times that they've done an evil adventure, let alone campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, the limitations can be something that create an iconic mm-hmm. um, memory or, or incident. Yeah, I think that's part of my my argument in the pro column for the limitations for a preconceived setting that an author or a design team, they designed it, right? They And it's kind of like uh, designing a house. The, the rooms are in a particular place for and like the layout like for the flow, kind of a feng shui, like the, what it, everything has a place and everything is in its place. 
Um, as soon as you incorporate a new race or, or species, or you incorporate a new class, subclass, or something like that, where did that come? It immediately opens up. Where did that come from? And especially if it kind of butts heads with cosmology or geography, or um, uh, things like that, or even like a etymology, right? Like even verbiage and things like that. As soon as it butts up against that, now we have to start explaining things. And I, maybe that's a a good medium for creativity too, because it's like, well, how can I, how can I chew the, the, the corners off of this square to make it fit into the circle? Right. Well, that, and that's, mm-hmm. that could be a really cool creative exercise. I think that there's more uh, for me, at least I prefer seeing how we can work within the limits of what we've got and still make it different and not exactly like what was in the book that they gave us. Right. And so that's where I, where I kind of go from, the default to me is like whatever the authors came up with. And it's not necessarily, I'm not saying it's the gospel and that's the only way to play. I think that's a really wrongheaded way of looking at it. At least if you and your table are comfortable with it, if you like, you want to add this, that, or the other thing, or if you want to restrict certain things, that's fine. So, But for me, there's more, again, it boils down to, I I keep using the word authenticity, right? I I want it to feel like the thing that they were trying to go for, the thing that I liked or that made me gravitate towards it in the first place and that's me. And then when, as soon as somebody else comes in with their like, you know, Captain Harlock gun wielding, you know, space ranger or something like that, shooting laser beams and things inside of a fantasy setting, or it just, it breaks the authenticity for me. So there's also a consideration, I think for not just me at the table, but the, for the other people at the table and having kind of like a, that session zero contract between one another of this is going to be restricted. And that's the way that I'm running it kind of a thing you said you know that 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 like you you put your hands out like this and you said this is going to be restricted right Mm -hmm. it's like a that's like a warning sign yeah yeah definitely and and that to me is that to me is a fascinating statement because i was just thinking about that uh girk was talking about his group bitches and moans when he tries to put out any restrictions Mm -hmm. my guess is that it's the same thing it's they that warning sign klaxon mm-hmm. is what they're retracting from, right? Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we talked about with Sean the other day. And I don't know that we covered it all in the live stream, but like that idea of like if they buy into the setting hardcore, the restrictions are much easier to slide in, right? Because yeah. you, if you can help capture the imagination of your players into the setting, into the premise, right? Whoa, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds really cool. Awesome. Oh man, I want to play in that. Great. So help me do that. And how we're going to do that is we're going to limit some of the player options or we're going to, you know, do X, Y, or Z, or we're not going to have necromancy spells or, you know, Mm -hmm. you can only go up to fifth level or, um, you know, these races aren't included or you, you can't play any of the classes that have magic in them or whatever, right? Like all these wild restrictions are less, feel a lot less restrictive if they're tucked behind we all share the same vision of what the world we want right. to dwell in is. And I, I'm in the camp of, you know, it depends on the setting 100%. Um, you know, if you want to do uh, water deep, if you want to play in water deep, sure. Go, you can go crazy. Um, there's still stuff out there that doesn't make any sense, but you know, whatever. But like, if you're going to play Dragonlance or dark sun or mm. whatever, you, you have to have, like what Zach was just saying, you have to have that buy-in. 
if all of the p- players at your table are like, yes, we want to play this. Okay, well, by playing, you know, by saying that, you're agreeing to this. Is that what is that what you're okay with? Oh well, I actually wanted to play, you know, turtles and tabaxis in Dragonlands. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. that's not what we're going to do. Now, you know, for me, if if I'm going to if I'm going to open it wide, it's going to be in a setting like you know, Spelljammer or Planescape, yeah, where that makes sense. You know, it's like, yeah, anything you want. Because, you know, the, the example that I always use is, you know, yeah, we're going to do, you know, Lost Minds of Fandelver. And somebody comes to the table wanting to play a, uh, you know, a Horizon a or a Ranger. Mm. It's like, mm. Mm, that you, you're not going to get to, you're not going to get anything out of that character. Because what that character is built around is planer and all this stuff what we're what, what this adventure centers around is this little town and doing this stuff around here so it's like i think restrictions can foster and fan the flames of creativity mm-hmm. if people will calm down long enough to listen <laughs> yes oh man that's so good i probably just spiked the, the audio yeah, for did. Anyone <laughs> um, <laughs> no i got really excited there because like like i was just thinking about most of the time when a character comes to the table a player comes to the table with a character that is doesn't fit the setting it's typically because they didn't listen when the setting was presented or i did not i did not lay the the those the ground work properly Mm-hmm. Right, and I got them excited about playing D and D without laying ground groundwork of hey, this is what I, the type of D and D that I want to do, or whatever. Right, and so if the danger right is the moment you say let's play D and D, people start thinking about what character they want to play. Right, especially if they're players at heart. Right, they're gonna they're gonna immediately start dreaming. And so one of the things that I is terrifying for me. And uh, typically I come with a big red warning sign if I don't want this to happen is I know that as soon as I say campaign starts on Thursday, people start thinking about their characters. Mm-hmm. And so um, if I haven't laid the foundation and I want to lay the foundation, then I say campaign starts on Thursday. Do not think about your character at all <laughs> before mm-hmm. then. Please we're going to we're going to talk, and even that's not the best way of doing it. But sometimes it's the only way. The best way you can do it is to pitch your new campaign at the end of the last session of your old campaign. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's funny you mentioned that too because I actually liked uh, I think it was Colville that had the idea of pitching to your players, right, giving them yep. three options and like like this one's going to be more combat oriented. This one will be more. Whatever, right? And then it's like, and give me like two weeks, three weeks, a month, or however long you need in between to kind of get prepped for this next one, but start thinking about the next campaign. I, one of the things that I did with my players was when I said, I'm going to run this, this is what I'm going to run. I'm running this thing. And if you want to play, that's great. If you don't, that's okay too. But just realize that when you play, before you even, before I, they even have a chance to really think about their characters, when I just give them the idea that I'm going to run something, else i'm like Mm -hmm. and when i do you probably need to be aware that there's no no magic after there are no higher levels of magic than fourth level or 
um, that there is no healing magic that's available to it, or there are no, or there are no potions, or whatever, or all all alchemy is banned, or whatever. So I'll, whatever those restrictions are, at least like a soft list of things that there will be that co- some players will consider too restrictive, or whatever. Give them kind of like a it's the warning shot to let them know. And then again, it's my table to run a game at, and I'm not going to be mad at anybody for not showing up. It'll be a bummer if I'm if they they miss out, but um, I think that kind of giving it to them right at the very beginning before they even really start seeding them, like creating the seeds of their characters. I think that helped, that's helped me a lot in the, in the past mm-hmm. to avoid well, some of the, could, this trouble. One thing you could do that I've done numerous times that I have good success with is make a character creation doc. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've done and that. And say, hey, the campaign's starting. Here's the doc. Your yep. player, that, even if you're not going to have the full conversation, at least they know that as soon as they want to start thinking about their characters, they're going to read that doc because they're excited about it, right? Um, um, but but uh, I, I find that that works really well for communicating restrictions immediately because yes. the players get frustrated, not necessarily a lot of the time because of restrictions, but because they already had an idea in mind by the time mm-hmm. you talked about restrictions. Um Eric is talking about a chat, the idea of, you know, he doesn't mind having a one-off character like a Dritz or a Puss in Boots <laughs> in the party every once in a while, a quarter of the party or less, right? But it's when it's all of it. And I think when it's yep. all of it, it becomes Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Which can be really fun, but it's not serious. Yeah. And you know, I've put I've put those restrictions in my games before where, you know, we're, we're playing... And this was like before you know they introduced Dragonborn and Tiefling in the PHB, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it was like, okay, um, if if the setting states that humans are the predominant species on the world, keep that in mind because if you all come to the table and every single one of you is a different species other than human, I'm going to play this or I'm going to run this in a way that you are not going to like it because nobody is going to like you mm-hmm. because you're all, I mean, there, there is no common thread amongst you. If, if y'all go to John's homeland, those, those people hate everybody else. There's, you know, because you're a, you're a tiefling, you know, which is part feed. Nobody wants you in their group. Because they don't trust you, you know all this, all this kind of stuff, and then invariably there becomes a, oh man, I was really wanting to play a, you didn't even know what I was going to run next. How can you possibly have an idea for a character? That's mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, you know, the new book just came out and it had these cool new subclasses, and I wanted to try it out. It's like, well, then that's when we have a conversation. What do you guys, what what do y'all want to play in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you pitch it to me because if I like it and I want to run it, cool. If I don't, then either we play what I want to do or one of you guys need to step up. Yeah, I think that's reasonable, though, right? Because this goes back to the dungeon master being a player, too. Yeah. You know, like everybody needs that. Like it needs to be a level of buy. But the dungeon master really kind of has the the bulk of the weight or the weight of the campaign on their shoulders in prep and story. And, you know, the, the dungeon master is constantly moving and constantly doing, whereas a player can kind of sit still and wait on their turn and, and things like that. They're not, it's not, they're not active 
constantly, right? So really, like, I think it's only a courtesy, at least. Take care of your dungeon masters and make sure that they're engaged and that they're, they enjoy the story, too. And if, if it's important to them, like, granted, it shouldn't be a, a straitjacket, you know, the, the way that they run games. I think that there needs to be at least some flexibility in there, too. But I think it, it's worth the conversation and, and giving it a shot, also, I think you're. I think you're probably onto it, really, Troy. That some players come in with a preconceived conception of what they want their characters to be before they even hear about the setting. They don't yeah. know anything about it, right? Well, because they have that mindset. Well, it's in the book, right? It's in the so book. You should be allowed in the campaign. It's like, yeah, mm, yeah, no. Well, and and to your and to your point, I think either you or Zach said it already, but I think to your points, uh, Wizards of the Coast is really that's definitely what they're they're trying to do now. It's like. It's all things to all people, mm-hmm. not really, not not, not uh, demographically necessarily, but like you have access to anything and you can play anything that you want to. And, and like, it's no holds barred ac- across the board, but what you really do is you create this like homogenization that cr- occurs across the different settings to me and that you lose the uniqueness of the setting, what made, yep. what made it neat and different. And the restrictions to me are really important because they're the restrictions are the things the thing that one setting has that another one doesn't and vice versa is what makes the settings uh, like stand out from one another and, and important as otherwise it's just all, you know, medieval Western fantasy with all the exact, you know, exact options, yeah. options. It's well, just geographics are the only thing that are different or maybe some of like the, like some of the MacGuffins may look a little bit different or something like that too. Yeah, well, I also, I also feel like um, when you, when you have those restrictions, and then when they're broken, they have more impact. Such as, like, you know, I'm going to do, you know, only the only the, the standard fantasy races, human, dwarf, elf, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, you know, comes to you later and says, hey, I want to, can I play a, a Warforged? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, we're, we're in this setting that doesn't have that. Well, man, I'd really like to play a Warforged. And then it's like, okay, I have an idea for it to work. Yeah. Do you want to, you know, here's the parameters of it. If you want to play, if you want to use this species, here's here's how it kind of can look. Do you want to do that or no? Or is it, nope, I want to play a, a Warforged Warforged, period. Well, mm. then it's not going to fly. That and that to me is beyond reasonable. That that is the the kind of collaboration that you really should have, where there's now both of you. The GM has buy-in into it. You've come to them, and there's a compromise that's happened between the two of you, and the both both of you can. That's like any. I want something, and you and you essentially, you're the DM is giving something up to you anyway. It's like mm-hmm. this is this story or this setting or this thing that I'm trying to tell a story in. You're you're pulling at threads in it that could unravel bits and pieces over here that you don't know about or whatever. Right. Let me pitch this to you guys. Just yep. thinking out loud here. I don't know that I've, well, I guess I've done this, but maybe not consciously. Like, do you think that a lot of times the pushback comes because you are the one making the restrictions? And so they feel like there's, there's, they don't have to get through anything but you in order to get the thing that they want mm, to do. Right. That's possible. That's possible. I think that's a really good, like, like you're being bossy, right. Well, or, or yeah, cause, I, cause I'm thinking like, you know, uh, um, um, Girk Sake talked about Lankmar in the chat and Middle Earth or whatever, right? And if you if you said if you post to your group and said, "Hey, do you want to play our next D and D game?" is going to be in it can be in Eberron. I could do Middle Earth or I could do Lankmar, right? And they say, "Oh, we really want to play in Middle Earth." You could say, "Okay, well, that's that's awesome." So Middle Earth, 
if we do Middle Earth, it means no magic classes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And kind of put it on the setting, and they make the choice of the setting, and yeah. then you put it on the setting that there's restrictions, and not like, hey, I'm putting these restrictions on it, and I'm proposing you with restrictions. It's more that they chose it, and oh, sorry guys, this has this is locked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's you know not my not my thing. It's the setting that doesn't allow for whatever. Like I'm just wondering if like part of the pushback I imagine is typically they feel like, well, if I can just convince the DM, mm-hmm. and as the DM, often I think that we don't feel like we we don't sure we have the say, but we don't really have the say in what the setting does or doesn't have in it, right? I don't care that you want to play a turtle. Middle Earth doesn't have turtles, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. I can't help the fact that Middle Earth doesn't have turtles. Sorry, right? Like, in our eyes, we see it as it's hard. It, we're inflexible because we're trying. The the integrity is established by the the setting, not by us, right? Right. Um, but in the eyes of the player, I wonder if sometimes because we're pitching it as our idea and with our restrictions. It's something that all they have to do is push past you, and then it's good to go, right? right. Like, well, they they really still do, though, don't they? I mean, like, well, come on, man. I mean, you know, what's what's wrong with putting a turtle in there? It's not gonna. I can make it work. It's easy. It's easily one of the things that they'll that they'll tell you, right? And like, I I understand that there can be some level of negotiation, but even still, it's like no, that just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I've been on the 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 end that Troy's talking about, where I had a player that said, "I have a really cool idea for a character concept." The good thing was the player came to me and this is a veteran player that's played a bajillion other things. And the only things that they haven't played are the weirdest possible things you can think of. You know, like I've, they're like, I've already played with an elf wizard or a kinder rogue or a dwarf cleric. I've done that before. So they, they started devi- uh, deviating it to like the, the fringe or the edge case characters because there's just nothing else for them anymore. Um, and he's, but the, as a courtesy, they came to me and said, I have an idea. What do you think? And is this something that we can make work in what you're going to end up running? And that to me, like as the, as the GM, not that they needed kowtow or, or you know, kiss my feet or anything like that, but like, I'm more willing to work with a person whenever they come at me like that mm-hmm. than, than somebody having a temper tantrum because they're not getting what they want. And that's a lot of times I feel like that's what a lot of GMs are stru- struggling with out of their player, their tables yeah. is people like, they're take their ball and go home because they didn't get the thing they wanted specifically on the, the, the warforged bit. Uh, I had a, a character, a player that wanted to play a warforged type of character. And what we ended up coming up with was how about instead of them being like an automaton or a, a constructed thing, they're a, a suit of armor that um, has like is sentient that like it's the, the psyche of the where the person that wore that armor hundreds of years ago or thousands of years is imprinted on that instead. And so it's more like a supernatural thing as opposed to a mechanical or a tinker or an artificer type thing. So like you can make it work in, in a lot of yep. instances, but even still, if I know that that player, if I'd said, it's just, I don't think it would work honestly. And I, I don't think I can make it work right. And here's kind of like my reason why. The player was also reasonable about it. I'm trying. You're trying. I'm not trying to stifle you. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill or a tyrant at the table or anything like that. I think that's part of like a from like a socialization at the table thing that we have to do. What about in order to, to make it work right? Let's let's take this in a, a slightly different direction. Let's angle it off just slightly. Mm-hmm. What about limitations that aren't player specific? So party let, specific maybe no 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 not not even party like what what i'm thinking about is so 
the second, maybe third, second Middle Earth campaign that I ran was all underground. Mm-hmm. now, and right, and because of that, I put extreme restrictions on what types of creatures I could put in there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, like because it had to be Middle Earth, mm-hmm. had to make sense for the area, had to be blah blah blah, blah, blah right, like blah blah, and it it like. Like, I bet I cut out 97% of the monster options that are mm-hmm. out there, right? What do we think about, like, how 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 much should, how often should that come into the GM's brain about not just putting restrictions on their players when they're designing a campaign or a setting or whatnot, but, but on their own resources? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that in, in those instances, I've actually had a, a player... Not complain necessarily, but they were like, "You have a different monster every single session, or you like every single encounter has a different monster, or something like that." And they're like, we, "You know what would be nice is if we had like the same thing that we had to fight like more than two or three times, so that our characters could get accustomed to fighting them or developing strategies and tactics against them and things like that." So I think that that's something that you can do, and I think players will actually gravitate towards whether it's or like your like the monsters only come out at night, right? That's just like a story element to me. Like if you're fine, I think the restrictions putting them on yourself are not going to complain about it as much because you're the one, your story, your environment is being restricted and not theirs. I don't really see, I can't think at least in the top, the top of my head where a player would have a, but, a but, beef with that. But, but it's not just about players, right? It's also about you choosing to do it, to I put see, those I restrictions see. on yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of don't know that I would call those restrictions necessarily. Cause like for, for what you said, Zach, you know, you're doing in, in Middle Earth, which eliminates a whole bunch of monsters just out of the monster manual, right? Yeah, yeah. But I also look at what's in that monster manual and go, you know what? I really like how kobolds work. Scratch that name off and put goblin across the top. You know, these are these are hill goblins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a boule. There's no boulet in Middle Earth, but there was that weird tentacle creature in the pond there in front of the door. I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the the maybe maybe the boulet is a a, a a troll dog or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, reskinning. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel like the one the one person that can't be restricted is the game master. But the game master needs to also respect the fact that he put restrictions on the game. He, you know, that game master can't then turn around and uh, put Dragonborn in Middle Earth because Mm. they want to. Well, you didn't let anybody else play Dragonborn because you played Middle Earth. You, That's a good point. You That's can't a good start, point. You can't fly in the face of it. Great point. That you gotta if you're gonna put restrictions on your players for what they can play, then you better be careful about mm. what you insert into the canonical yes. lore for that setting. Exactly. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. that would be like the restriction I, I can see. Um and I like like I said before, I like restrictions because that way when you, when those restrictions are broken, it actually means something. Because mm. you know, up until, up until that first—I um, don't even remember the name of the novel now. The Halfling Gem, mm-hmm. 
all drow are evil. They're 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 bad guys. You can't you can't. There's no way you could ever play a drow. And all of a sudden, there's a drow good guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was there was no there was no healing magic, no divine magic whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, boom, there is. Yep. And the entire the entire paradigm shifts. The entire feel and theme, like, and your restrictions. I'll go ahead and say this too. Are can be built like your narrative can be built around restrictions, restrictions mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like again, go back to Dragonlance and that specific thing is like divine magic not operating was a key feature of the setting. These days, like, I mean, I don't think there's a, a, a high level of tolerance in probably in newer players, I would think, just because they're probably used to having, I've got all the options that I want to, and I don't have any restrictions. So this is one thing that, like, I wanted to play a cleric, but now all they're going to do is they're going to swing their hammer or swing their club or their mace or whatever. That's all I get to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, know, they may not see the virtues of it or the benefits of it. Instead, all they just see is, like, it's just ratcheted down, and it's made that thing not fun anymore. Well, I, I think I think what players... You know, the, the, the players that are only players that have never ran a game, I think what they need to realize is the the, the game of D&D or, or any game, any role-playing game, is like sports in general, okay? Every sport in the world is gaming. You can't then say, hey, we're going to get together and play a sport on Saturday at my at my house, and John shows up in hockey gear. Mm-hmm. Zach shows up with a basketball. That's Calvin ball. Yeah, and you know somebody else, you know, has their lacrosse stick or whatever, and it's like, okay, we're ready to play. Wait a minute, I thought we were playing lacrosse. Oh, I thought we were playing basketball. It's like, no, you, you have, you know, th- those are the restrictions of of sports. Sports is a broad general term. D&D is a broad general term. Your the restrictions make the game that you're trying to play. And I think yeah. players need to you know and I feel I feel really bad for Girk, you know, if his if if he, if he's got players that, you know, truly pitch a fit when you try to put any kind of restrictions down, that's when I would probably just say, you know, you know, Girk's Girk's a lot nicer than I am. I would just like, well, then don't play. Mm. Well, well, but I was like, no, this is what I'm going to run. If you don't like it, don't play. Yeah, who else or, wants to run a game? Or, or let's play a different game, right? Yeah. Like, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, or, yeah. Or like you, that's, you, you pitch me something else because this is what I'm offering. And that's that's all. That's a, I. I think, and my guess is that that they get along. My guess is, I mean, like you say, Garrick's great. So my suspicion is that they still have a blast and um, with whatever they end up running. Um, it's one of those things where we don't always get our first choice of board game when it's board game night. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. Like I don't like most of the time I have cool players and um, they let me follow my heart's desires. Right. But like I seriously consider and think about and ponder and plan when a player says, Hey, this is cool. Like I, shout out to Ulysses. I owe Ulysses a Starfinder game. Hardcore, mm-hmm. I owe him a Starfinder game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's in the back of my mind, right? All the time. Because at board game night, it's not always about what the host wants to play, right? 
Um, and so I think that there's that piece of it too, which is less about restrictions and more about just like at heart, that's a a conversation about, yeah, a give and take. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for Girk, what I would, you know, what I would maybe do is kind of come to the table and say, okay, you guys get to decide this time, but Mm -hmm. the price you pay for this decision is the next next campaign that we run. You can't complain about what I what my restrictions are because I'm trying to give you a good fun game. So, yeah, I they, think and they and they will and you can well you, I think you they, have that in your pocket. You can say, "Remember, I made you sign that paper. Here it is." Yeah, you <laughs> the other it. Well, it goes back. I think it goes back though. Honestly, all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, it goes back to buy-in to the restrictions. Like, why are the restrictions there? Ooh, well, so the gods have been gone for 350 years, you know, or whatever. You give them, you give them the explanation of the the kind of like the the boilerplate or the the elevator pitch behind what the restrictions are there for, and they either buy into the they have to buy into the setting and the central conflict that's in the setting and where like why that's and why that's cool, you know. And they if they don't, you're gonna have a harder time getting them to buy into the restrictions that you put on them. Hmm. Nope. One another thing that's noteworthy here, right, is thinking about thinking about the time, com- the commitment that you're asking if you're going to put these restrictions on. Mm-hmm. Because most groups, most D and D groups, are used to the intent is for us to play a campaign and for to be playing these characters for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's a good. Point, that's dude. big. That's big. Mm-hmm. Right, because if you want to play a turtle and you've been thinking about a cool turtle character and that's been in the back of your mind for the last six months, if you're getting if you're if you're used to playing two year campaigns, then it's going to be hard for you to turn loose of that turtle idea. Mm. That's fair. That's, yeah, very fair. So I, I, I like, and I know that that's been the case with some of my players in the past, you know, twelve years, fifteen years. Is like. I know that the reason they want to play a turtle is because we are planning on playing for two years and that's what they have wanted to. So that's a big part also of why I do way shorter campaigns now, right? It's because I want you to get a chance to try 13 things and four of those 13 things, I'll be able to put whatever restrictions I feel like are necessary on them to get a different play style. But you'll still have nine others to, to go nuts on. Yeah. Um. Mike, Mike brings up a point that he finds it interesting that we've been talking mostly our restrictions revolve around race and ancestry and things like that, but not about class. I think more it, it can just as easily, as far as I'm concerned, be about class as well. Yes. Um, I think it's just kind of like the race ancestry species thing is just kind of like a default. There's 13 Go classes. Ahead. There's 47 races. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, that I can is- give you. At a base level, that's that's a distinguishing fact. Yeah. Now, there's other things too, but like, I mean, you can't play a monk in my Middle Earth game, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or you, you you can't play a you know whatever like you like can't play definitely... a, you can't you, you can I have some of the restrictions I've got in my campaigns that I run. First of all, as a DM, I do not run games for evil characters. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like. I don't want a butthead at my play, at my table. I don't want someone that's going to use an evil character to behave like a butthead at the table. I don't, I don't want to run. I like, I prefer to run heroic campaigns anyway, but I'm okay with like neutral characters in there, but like even lawful evil at, at some point or another, their, their motives are going to end up conflicting with someone else. I would much rather have player harmony and, uh, and coincide with character harmony. Right. So I restrict 
alignment, 100% at my table. I restrict classes at my table. In, uh, in Dragonlance, if you're a warlock, you're evil. So guess what? No warlocks in my game, period. Really? End that's interesting. Yep. Well, because that's the way that they're interpreted. In, because they're, it's all about it's it's brokering deals with with devils and and uh, in the so, abyss and things. So, like so, that. I'm fat, so, so, so okay, let's just sit on this one for a minute because yeah, you, yeah. you've raised a you've you've raised something that Zach would push back on. Right? Get, well, so, I'm ready, sir. <laughs> no, but 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 I, I think about it and I would be like, okay, so I get ninety percent of the warlocks out there, but there's a celestial warlock. Sure, there is, but the you got in in Dragonlance at least you got your your centers of power, right, or uh-huh. your sources of power. Sources of power are divine; they come from the gods. If they didn't, if they came from anything else other than the gods, now of course, let me say this too. Let me preface it by saying, restrictions. I'm also restricting timelines, and and what is what is like soft canon, right? Yeah. So yeah. Dragonlance, anything. Like Summer Flame and on, I'm not into. Like, I, if if it's before Summer Flame, that's really kind of where I'm going to end up playing. So, if you want to play a War of Souls game, you're going to have to find somebody else to run it at your table. Not because I'm angry about it, but because I'm just not into it, and I don't feel like running a game that I'm into. But going back to it, though, so in that instance, though, there are no other sources of divine magic other than through the gods. There are no other. There are no sources of arcane magic within that time frame other than the moons of magic, right? So you could possibly have things like sorcerers and whatnot in there, but you also the it's not necessarily a restriction of I'm not going to tell you that you cannot play a sorcerer. What I am going to tell you though is if a black mage shows up and sees you, you're the one they're going to gun for because you're probably going to be a renegade uh, mm-hmm. and you're you're not going to be the tower will 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 forever disown you, and they won't want anything to do with you. Now I've I've come up with go ahead go ahead so I'll, so so so, I, I, so so this is my experiment now now I've, now I'm sucked in. Right. Yep, hit me. Yep. So there's elemental planes in Dragonlands, right? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. So could I not have a genie patron? Hmm. I'd do the research first. I may. I, I maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't I, know. I look at it like you know. I understand what you're saying. Um. Because I, you know, you know me. I'm not a huge fan of the warlock class as, yeah, a, yeah. as a level one class in the first place. But if somebody really, really wanted to play it, it it would kind of be more like, don't get tied to the name of the class mm-hmm. kind of a thing. It's like, okay, so, you know, what do you want to be? I want to be a celestial warlock, but I'm getting my power from Lunatari. Okay, hang on a second. You know, it's, it's, it's guys- some, something has tapped in. There's been something that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not a wizard. I'm not a sorcerer. It's kind of a weird thing, and to me, that's one of those re, you know restriction breakers that makes it interesting. Why does this one person? Because there's no other people like this on the planet. Why does this one person have this? Mm. Why are well, they the, unique? So this, and I think this is probably a good example of you can have a conversation about it because now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, as soon as you said genie, I've also thought about. I'm thinking about the warlock classes that are just in in the PHB, and that's probably what I focus on yep. because I don't give a crap about warlocks. That may mm-hmm. be part of it. I'll be honest; that's that's mm-hmm. fine. So, mm-hmm. if a pl- but if a player came to me and said, "I have a really great idea for a warlock. I want to do a Faylock, and I want them to be devoted to the Forest Master, who is uh, mm-hmm. like a who is a not Fey, but is like deeply rooted in just the inherent power, primal powers of Kryn." 
right? I want to devote myself to the to the forest master and be, be a de- devotee of them and do a fey lock. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on a second now. That's not a bad idea, and that's kind of cool, and it's totally Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that we could probably do that. I think in my head, I typically default to warlocks either being like uh, infernal locks or yep. the like the uh, Cthulian. Yeah, locks, the, the, right? the 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 stereotypical. Yeah, yeah. Pro- probably do, but again, I think that's I'll, that I'll admit my own bias in that. In that, I just don't, I just don't give a crap about warlocks, honestly, as a yeah. as a right. player well, myself. So that's all I really know. But here's this has been an interesting exercise, right? Because we we broke down the idea of what a restriction is really trying to do, right? Because mm-hmm. your statement was, "I don't allow warlocks," right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's true, but from a certain mindset, right? And so I think that what's interesting here is that we just had this discussion. I think this uh, discussion very similar to this would have happened if this was a real game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the discovery was that John doesn't really care if you want to play a warlock. He just really cares that you don't play a warlock that's aligned with an evil entity. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. And, and that Two. is that is an interesting like like that's fascinating to me because it. it, it it shows how sometimes restrictions can be navigated if players and GMs are all willing to come to the table yes. and be reasonable mm-hmm. about why they're putting these restrictions on. And the players are willing to work within the the truth nuggets that are mm. found at the core of each restriction that is put forth. Yeah. yeah. And Mike brings up, you know, uh, the core reason why I don't like the monk class. And, so, Zach, if I came to you in your Middle Earth game and said, I want to play a monk, not a Bruce Lee monk, I want I just want to be a guy mm-hmm. that punches things. I don't mm-hmm. I don't use a weapon. I don't I don't wear armor often. I'm just you know, I'm a big farmer kind of a person and I you know like like Frodo, I got called to do this thing. I, I put down my stuff, and all I have is my hands. That's all I know how to yeah. use is my hands. I'm well, not going to be doing flips and and bicycle kicks flying through the air and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I've got I've got Zach's kryptonite for this one. Zach, you'd lose immediately. Well, Tulkas. Tulkas well, was a brawler and a wrestler, and he literally wrestled with Morgoth. So I mean, like. Like yeah. you gotta have at least that's, like some physiological wrestling that's a, martialist. That's a pugilist, don't even try. That's don't but that's know. what a martial art is, though. And, that, and that's and, what and, a martial art. Well, me, right? I hate that this class is called monk. Right. It should yes. it should it should be unarmed fighter or or not even be a class of, at all. It should be a subclass of the fighter class. It just be unarmed fighter. If you want to be kung fu master, awesome. You can you can play it that way if your DM likes it, or you can just be. Uh, you know the 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 thug on the end of the street that likes to beat people down with their fists. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you guys brought that up because um, I I think that what I said was you can play a monk, but you have to be an elf monk. Um, like you can't be mm. a because there's certain there's certain and there's very specific archetypes that made sense for. Um, I was going to look at that real quick here, but. Because I've actually got my document up. Um, no, ignore me. I said no monks. <laughs> I did say no monks. <laughs> no monks. Um, that's amazing. No capes. Um, yeah, man. That's one of the things that I loved about Tulkas as one of the Valar. Uh, I was, I was that when he came in, I always thought of him as this really big brawny dude, super beefy, 
not like ripped beefy, but like um like an arm wrestler type of beefy that just came in and wrestled with yeah. evil, you know, like a it, yeah, it's totally like just a wrestler. So that to me, that's still a martialist or martial artist. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that unarmed think, attacker. I think the thing for me with it was, if I'm being honest, that I just can't get over the idea. Now we're super off topic, but but if but but if you were coming at me with that, I'd say I don't like the word key. For Middle mm, Earth, no, and and there, it's very hard for a monk player to get around the word key. I know they could just reflavor it, but there's the word key is every other word in that mm. class. So that was where I think I got stuck. Is I'm like, you really have to reflavor the entire thing to get where it might be able to go. And I've just read. I think we have enough options without it, right? Mm. Like, um, you could you could certainly pitch to me a monk, and I think you guys have done a great job of like making it make sense, right? But in the pl- but I know that that player is going to be reading their class every session and be reading key 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 mm-hmm. key. You key, know, key, and next thing you know, there's going to be a crane kick that comes out in one yeah. of the combats. I, <laughs> but you know, me be me being me, I would literally take everything out of the player's handbook, yeah, <laughs> and take all of the key out and put in something yeah, like grit. just rewrite it, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Like that. so that Guts, way, yeah, yep. yeah. So I'm yeah. reading it, and it's like, okay, I'm going to use a grit point. What the hell's a grit yeah. point? It's yeah. key. Shut up. I'm going to use yeah. a grit point and do, yeah, and and reflavor everything so that way it's like, yeah, flurry of blows. No, uh, you know, windmill punches. Pummel. Windmill yeah, punch, yeah. 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 something. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, how cool? Yeah, because Rocky would be a fun type of character. Yeah. There's what? a really solid pugilist class at, yes. on the DMs Guild, right? Yes, and there is. Like, yes, there, there is. There's a good option there. Was it? It wasn't Cole that put together a pugilist, did, did he? No, he they, he <laughs> let one of his players run the pugilist. Though, run, he yeah. ran it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I I know, like the original monk class, I could kind of understand. It's like you know what the when they would fall, if they were in it said, if they're close to a wall, they can use it to kind of like slow their fall and stuff like that. Well, then now you get to fifth edition. It's like, Oh, when they get dropped out of a balloon at a hundred feet in the air, mm-hmm. they can slow fall. How, what are they grabbing onto clouds? Crouching tiger, hidden dragon. That's what it is right there. Yeah, it's really I, well, just, goes back they, to like Kung they, Fu they hold cinema. out their clothes and they glide. They billow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why they always wear baggy clothes. But none of them wear like shirts. It's like you know tank tops and, and armbands, and that's all they got. Well, here, here's yeah. another one then. Like so, we, I talked about warlocks, and I'm just thinking like we're trying to stay in like the realm of non-race restrictions. But some of the other stuff too would be. Um, to be uh, a certain subclasses that were not not mm-hmm. allowed or like really it, it's not necessarily again it's it is not a restriction but it's a consequence is really what it boils down to it's like oh you're not going to be a wizard that's fine just know that in this setting if you are not a wizard and you're not like uh, you haven't taken the test or whatever then this is what you're considered right mm. and and that's it's not something i'm not telling you you can't do it but there's a consequence for it and if a, a a red robe magician a mage shows up and sees that you're practicing magic and you're obviously a sorcerer or something like that, then they may try to, to capture you or, and take you to the tower, which that may end up being its own narrative event that happens yeah. anyway, but it would still, it wouldn't be, it would be something that I would have to accommodate. It would, it wouldn't be something that like, I can't just have a narrative the way that I've kind of planned it out. I've got like, like well, as soon as this happens, I got to make sure that I've got this in my back pocket for whenever they got to yeah. go to mage jail. Well, you know, another that, thing. Go ahead, Trey. Okay, so, and that goes back to okay. So, what if I wanted to play a sorcerer, and 
I, I did go through the trials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because, like, Raceland comes out. He's got messed up eyes. He's sick. He coughs up blood. You know, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. What happened to me in my trials is I, you know, whatever inside of me has been so twisted up and messed up, I can't control my magic as well as a wizard can. So I'm very limited in my spells. Mm. And maybe maybe I'm a chaos sorcerer. And here's, you know, Mm. and that's what it is. So I have, you know, I have uh, the the red robes on because I... Mm. I'm. I, I want to be a good person, but I, I don't have complete control or something like that. And I had another thought while you were saying that, Troy, which is you said I want to blah right. Mm-hmm. I thought about one of the things that is so powerful for the human brain is when we speak, right? And saying I want to play a champion fighter, human champion fighter it does something in your brain that like commits you to that mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on a base level, you are, you are locking it in, locking in a choice. Right. Um, and I, I wonder if that's part of it too, is like, maybe we've like missed, missed, misidentified how the best way to do a session zero or to start this character creation process is because the minute people start pitching, we're not, we're not, we're, we as people, most of us aren't used to doing, to pitching ideas that get shot down all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, and so to say, I want to do this. The minute you say it, you've locked it in. Your GM have a great reason why that shouldn't work. But in your mind, it's like, oh, I've already committed to this. Right. Like now I got to defend my choice. I almost wonder if like part of a good character creation process is about not asking people to tell you what their ideas are or whatnot, but loading them up with some resources or some things because they're not not. There's got to be a way that maybe helps navigate that a little bit mm-hmm. to where, you know, because I'm thinking about like I, I've never had a problem when and I've done I've done docs for super restrictive campaigns and for wide open campaigns, mm-hmm. and I never have a problem with what people bring to the table from those documents. And I think maybe it's because they read the document, they think about it, they've got the restrictions in there, and they're not asked to voice anything until they have processed right. these things, right? So I, maybe I do there's like something that about that. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I'm going to pause on that, and then we'll get to Mike's question. Um, I, I love the idea of the doc, and I love, I love John's idea of, you know, that whole, okay... The, the gods have been gone for 300 years, you know, and, and don't tell them that it's dragon lights. Mm-hmm. You just say the gods have been gone for 300 years. Uh, sorcerers are hunted. Um, warlocks don't exist. You know, you go through, um, there's a war brewing. There's this and that going on. There's all this stuff. What do y'all think? Does that sound like a fun campaign? Oh man, that sounds really cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the full doc. Read the doc. We're gonna we're gonna come back next week. We're gonna do a session zero. We're gonna figure out characters because I, I I love the idea of what you guys are saying about that whole the pitch and the doc where it's like you're getting them to buy in mm-hmm. and and they're going to want to you know then if someone you know comes to John later and says dude I know in the doc it said sorcerers aren't allowed but here's this thing this this mm-hmm. this doc inspired this what do you think 
Yeah, that tailors the conversation. It tailors the conversation. Yeah. It guides their focus. Yeah. It guides their energies. So you're not coming out with, oh, I want to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, that's not a thing. And uh, yeah, Mike says something about, what about spell restrictions? Yes, 100% yes, spell yep. restrictions. Um, I have never done a spell restriction other than in Middle Earth telling my players that don't bring any stupid spells into Middle Earth. But I don't. I'm like, I've never actually <laughs> like that. That's like eighty percent of the spells in D and D. True, true. And and I heard that comment from some players, but they were making those choices, right? Like they were coming to the table and be like, "Man, it was hard. Like my spell list isn't great, but they chose the spells, which was delightful, right? You know, forcing them have, to do restrictions was fun. Yeah, I don't allow in in my campaign and well in the Dragonlance stuff. But, uh, Rivervify is the only res spell that's available and that's effectively like shock paddles to to bring somebody back to draw them back before they get uh caught up in the the river of souls kind of thing right but Mm -hmm. no no resurrection no true resurrection nothing like that at all in the in the games that i run yeah i'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of i i like to look at a lot of those things i hate the way magic is done in D &D anyway because magic fixes it's like in the movie you you think that Everything can just be fixed by magic. Well, it can mm-hmm. because I've seen the spell book, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I hate that. I hate that, like, everything, and it's all available. To me, it's like, yes, should you have resur- resurrection or or, uh, or or whatever? Sure. But the players shouldn't be able to have it. Hmm. That, because really... that goes after a quest. You, it's like, take, take the body to a, a temple, please. You know, can you do this? Yes, I can do this, but I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And you got to go find it, and you've got uh, seven days to do it. Otherwise, I can't bring this person back. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really want to do at some point is I want to run an all wizard campaign, and the only way that you can get new spells is by finding them or buying mm-hmm. them, like scrolls, and copying them into mm-hmm. your spell book. Like that to me, it would be so much fun. As a player, I would devour that. That's my dream campaign to play in. So I'll just run it at some point. But, <laughs> uh, but like the idea of, like you just said there, Troy, where they're not all available. When you level up, it's like, I can cast a ton of my low level spells now. But until I find or buy scrolls yep. of higher level, I'm I'm stuck, right? Or, mm-hmm. or if you can if you can pitch to me why, and, and I, I totally understand, you know, I, I like this idea. It's like, well, I have... I have, uh, you know, Firebolt, and I've got Burning Hands. Okay, well, if you if you want, you can work on the formula, the magic formula to, to do mm-hmm. Fireball. Yeah. And that is a good segue into our topic for next week, right? Because next week, on Tuesday, we're going to talk about the playtest packet. Yes. Playtest packet number five which has some of this exact stuff in it. And there's really good Fine. stuff in here. Yeah, I think I'm not going to say that it's going to be uh, all sunshine, rainbows and roses, but there is some really good stuff in this. And I'm really excited to talk about play test packet five, which has warlock rewritten warlock mm-hmm. Re- new approach to the wizard, new approach, to the- doubling down on some of the coolest things about the sorcerer it has new ideas for the fighter to make it, Still the simple base class, but some really interesting options alongside that. Has new ideas for the Barbarian. There is so much stuff in this document, and um, I think it's going to be a really good discussion. I think so, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's probably the best segue out of an episode we've 
ever had. <laughs> probably, right. probably right. It, it was natural. Right. Um, so yeah, um, I, I I feel like I feel like we've we've done a good job of covering restrictions, talking about different ways to mitigate restrictions or to encourage restrictions. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I think the thing the the last thing to say there is that sometimes you're going to have a group like Girks that just don't want to be told no. And I don't know that you can navigate a way around it, but maybe there's an idea in here that you can get, let them pick one and put the restrictions in the document and let them pick from three and let them pick yeah. the one that they like. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Very good chat this evening. Uh, take it easy and we'll see you next time. Come up with some good restrictions. And if you know, you know. Yeah. So be safe out there, be kind and know you may not use that filter of love in this campaign. Oh, man. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, Give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. It, it's very strange. Uh, the Extinction Cycle and this book are both read by Bronson Pinchot. Your Bronson face is Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> 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 what are you, seven? <laughs>